0: Hey there, EdTech enthusiasts. Welcome back to EdUp EdTech. I'm Nadia, your tech-savvy host, and I'm stoked to have you join us for another thrilling episode where we unravel the wonders of educational technology. In this fast-paced digital age, the way we learn and teach is evolving at lightning speed. And guess what? We're here to be your compass through this ever-changing landscape. Today, we're diving headfirst into the realm of immersive learning experiences and cutting edge innovations. Get ready for a roller coaster ride of insights as we chat with a true pioneer in the field. So fasten your seatbelts, hit play, and let's explore the future of education together. I'm Nadia, and this is EdUp EdTech. Hello
1: everyone and welcome to another fantastic episode of Ed up Ed Tech. My name is Holly Owens and I'm your host and we are super stoked today because we have a fabulous guest with us. We have Dr. Lauren Sanchez Gilbert and she is the CEO of Bell Excel. Welcome on into the show. Hey
2: Holly, thank you so much for having me here. I feel like after that I need to say like what up? or something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How's it going? What you up to? What you been doing today? How's your day? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, we are super excited to talk to you and get into all things Bell Excel. But before we do that, we want to know a little bit about you. So tell us about your journey into this ed tech space, where you started, how you got here, how you became CEO of Bell Excel.
2: Sure. So I actually started out as a special education teacher in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I think it's just a testament. You can have career changes at any point in your life.
0: I always yeah. wanted
2: to say, uh, you know, in the education space, but really thinking about it a little bit differently. And it wasn't until I was, you know, 40, I think almost exactly, when I moved over and started to think about education from just a different lens and different angle on how can we meet the needs of the children's and the adults that serve them through a different vehicle, but bring all those years of experience as a, as an administrator with me um, and having that in-depth understanding of what it's like to be boots on the ground in a classroom as an administrator uh, to the ed tech space so that we could maybe look at it just a little bit differently.
1: Yeah, and you're so Nadia and myself are both former educators and and we understand that we transitioned out as well. We did it before it was cool. Um, we you know that everybody's doing now. Right. So that's, that's great that you have that insider perspective. I really feel that adds a lot of value to, especially an ed tech company and coming in and, you know, providing that to your client base. Definitely. And we, you know, we're a little
2: bit different than your average ed tech because we serve the out of school time area. You know, It's the one thing about, uh, the kind of definition of ed tech is that it can be a little bit narrow, and so we're hoping that we kind of can expand that because we know that where children learn isn't just in the classroom, it's everywhere. And so how do we really take education technology and expand it so we can collectively rethink um, and define, be a piece of it, of education writ large?
1: Yeah, so let's let's go more into that. We definitely wanna have a better understanding when, how do you define ed tech and being in the space, being in the classroom, now being a CEO of a company, how would you define educational technology?
2: Yeah, I'd say it's it's the way to enhance how and where and when children learn. So, you know, our software is actually a management system along with curriculum for the out-of-school time space. You know, so when you think of a tech, people almost always go to kind of in the classroom uh, curriculum-based type of entities where we actually have uh, you know a management system of how do you think about education a little bit broader? Education just doesn't happen. Uh, it happens inside of a school that has operational norms, that has a lot of business aspects to it that you have to think about and manage. And we know that schools that are managed really well, kids do better in. And so we want to take that same kind of principle and thinking and apply that to out of school time by giving them management tools and resources, the curriculum, so it's really easy to implement, ways to measure it. And if they need to, you know, add payments or something like that, it's right there for them too. So we really see ourselves as Edutech, if you've heard that term yet, where it's kind of like yeah. ed tech but slightly outside, um, but also deeply, you know, ingrained in this concept of really expanding the way that we think about education in totality.
1: Yeah, and I feel like COVID kind of made that happen too, is us yeah. to think outside the walls of the classroom and and putting into perspective what what really is edtech or what. Is you know an online learning experience or an outside the classroom learning experience, high flex, hybrid, all those different kinds of terms people were trying to understand and define during the pandemic. Um, so how has that maybe impacted a little bit of what you do or your perspective, you know, in a post-COVID world uh for for Bell Excel? It definitely, you know, I think what we were striving to do, that whole piece
2: of trying to you know push people to think a little differently, it kind of catapulted a little bit because. It automatically yeah. forced all of us to to think differently, think differently about technology, and you know how is it that adults use that to interact with children? And so for us, it was, uh, you know, if there's a silver lining to something, it did actually open up the way that that people view education, and especially outside of the classroom walls. And then you know I think it also helped us realize the impact of extracurriculars in general, you know, where kids were denied a lot of these activities and their return back to school has just been, you know, extraordinarily difficult. And the removal of you know, the sports and arts and all of those pieces, I think opened up people's eyes to the importance of what happens um, outside of school and how important what we we call supplementary. In our minds, it's not supplementary, it's required.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And those extracurriculars and doing different things and kind of enhancing, you know, what happens outside the classroom. So let's talk about Bell Excel. Give us all the details about what it is, you know, tell the audience who hasn't heard of it, give us everything and and let us know what you do for educational institutions. We are super interested and ready to learn.
2: So Bell Excel is actually an um, umbrella to three different entities. So one of them is Spirling Center for Research and Innovation, which is a consulting and obviously research group. Another one is RISE, which is a fellowship group where we bring together leaders in the out-of-school time space for two-year cohort, uh, where they can learn and grow with each other and learn from each other. But the third one is our biggest, which is Arlie and that's our software. That's the tech piece where we took 30 years of research on how to operate and implement out-of-school time, what kind of curriculums, function well in that environment considering that you if you have a teacher that's a you know huge plus and bonus, but often it is your second tier educators at that point. So what do you need to give them to be effective? so it's very tuned to that space. And then it creates measures uh, so that those programs can talk about how well they're doing. But it's all research based so it's all based on the science behind it on what creates high quality, and we use the school day as the measure. So we've done a lot of third party studies to say is this moving the needle when those kids return to the classroom which is the ultimate, you know, measure, which graduation, right? That's the ultimate measure. Yep. So.
1: I think that I love the fact that it's research-based and that you're you're taking that into consideration um, because I feel like a lot of the times people will just kind of throw things out there with like, you know, the assumptions or the holistic perspective about this might work here or this might be a resolution for this, but it really nowadays, you really need the research to back it up. So can you tell us a little bit about how you do that research and, and like maybe some of the studies and things that you've, you've seen over the, the past 30 years? Sure. So we do, we approach it in two ways. When we do
2: our ongoing research, we have our research team and we do, um, you know, if it's an academic based program, we do pre and post measures, we look at, you know, attendance and what influences that and then do we do a lot of surveying. So we partnered with uh, Harvard and really thought through what kind of questions should you be asking our um, parents and um, caregivers along with the staff and the students that will uh, lead to quality indicators within the program itself. So We do that every year for every program on an ongoing basis. And each partner gets a report so that they can understand how they're doing, report that to the families. It's good marketing material, et cetera. I mean, we all sit there and say, I'm my child. I put my child in field hockey. And it's because, you know, we want teamwork. Oh, I
1: love you said field hockey. I played field hockey in high school. I love that.
2: It is an awesome sport. It is. uh, Right. And so the, all these things that you say that it's going to do for your child, of course, you want them to be involved and all that, but you want them in for all these teamwork. And this. imagine actually measuring that and saying, let's see if it's really having the impact. Are there ways we can improve? That's what some of the system does. So we do that ongoing, but we don't just trust that the gold standard is to have a third party come in and say, let's validate if what you're doing is really affecting the young people and the adults in the way that you are saying so. So we partner repeatedly with, um, you know, RAND or other big um, third-party research entities, universities, et cetera, to really check and say, yes, that is actually having the impact. And we look at the, we call scholars, the students themselves or the participants themselves, but we also look at the adults. Like one of the biggest studies we did was on professional development. And does the out of school time environment provide teachers with a solid professional development opportunity, almost in like an experimental way, um, experiential, excuse me? Only study of its kind, it showed that that type of person of professional development had greater effects on teachers than all the other
1: types, which is so interesting. Wow. Right? That is super interesting. Yes. Absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the things that I noticed when I was going through your site is that the, this idea, you know, like through the school and the partnerships and all the different organizations you work with also to the parent involvement, I think as students grow and mature, like the parent involvement gets less and less, but making this like a a community effort um, and really having the research to back that up, I think that's so important uh, for students as they continue to as they continue to grow and learn and learning to do things outside of school or getting involved in like camps and organizations. And, you know, just because as adults, we know that prof- professional development is important, but it's also to it's important to volunteer in the community and help our local communities. So it really opens that up for like the parents to influence the kids and to be a part of that experience as well.
2: Yes. And sometimes the hours just make it easier for parents to be, you know, families to be involved in their child's life in in some way. So it gives that opportunity. And then, you know, we we're both in schools for a very long time. The pressure there is different for families, different for the students, different for the administrators. This can sometimes lend itself to assist in there by creating an opportunity that has less pressure and less you know, potential consequences um, to everyone involved. And so it just sometimes can make it a safer place for, for everyone to interact a little bit differently.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Can you talk to us a little bit about like who you partner with and some of the organizations that you work with? I saw some, you know, uh, pretty popular ones on your site. So can you talk about how you form those and, and what those entail? Sure. So we partner
2: with anyone, despite, you know, of any size who is serving children outside the school day. So I should begin with that. So we have, you know, you've some ice skating clubs and churches and, you know, very small, um, you know, more mom and pop kind of organizations along with the big brand names like, you know, the YMCA's, um, you know, all kinds of school districts, boys and girls club, 4-H libraries, you know, things that are a little bit bigger named parks and rec organizations. But our true belief is that it it is really going towards anyone who is serving children in out of school time. We won't, that was one of our big um, drivers of mine personally, because I grew up in um, New Mexico and my family's from a rural area and they get often left out because they don't have a critical mass of funding or children or anything. And, you know, and I kept saying, that's gotta be the test. If where I grew up fits here, then I think we have arrived because when we say all children, we mean all. And so Mm -hmm. make sure what we're building does actually meet that criteria.
1: Yeah, I love that you you open it up to everybody and that you partner because I know sometimes like um organizations will be like, we're just focused on this this narrow piece, this 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 one area here. And I myself too grew up in a rural area. And I didn't notice until I got to college, which was probably not good for, you know, the academics or the the organizations that I participated in, what was really out there. Like cause you got exposure to the you know, the career center, the study abroad programs and things like that. And I feel like these kinds of organizations kind of prep you for those situations and being aware of more aware of the world and your surroundings and what exists there. Uh, cause oftentimes when I mean, you do grow up in those rural areas, you just don't know, you, you, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Exactly. I remember I was, um, meeting with a partner in rural Louisiana and,
2: and the, the kids were all excited about a field trip. And I'm like, where are you going? You know? you know, where they were going, a library, because the nearest library was like 45 minutes away. They've been, you know, and, and it's just those type of moments where you really realize, like we do in our curriculum, we have built in virtual field trips, for example, and all these activities to try to bring them there a little bit. But you, you forget, especially when you're in like, where we're at, like Boston, or something like that, you've just such a different um, worldview that you can't apply to everyone equally and taking into that moment of this child, you know, the nearest library is 45 minutes. It's a long bus ride. And how do we open up their world to see things and open the world to those that are living in Boston or New York city, et cetera, to also understand a world that they don't know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just think about growing up in in the rural area, but then I also, when I was older, I went and lived in New York for a bit and community to Manhattan. So culture shock right. <laughs> for the rural person, but you just, you don't realize like for, from both perspectives, like I love the the rural aspect, but I also love some of the city aspects. So you kind of get that, you know, marry those two together and those things, a lot of them things overlap and having people talking to each other from different places. I just can't imagine the community that's being built, you know, for, for uh, the participants.
2: Exactly. You know, giving um, educators when we do some of our group uh, webinars, you know, have an opportunity to be in a session with somebody that is like from rural Louisiana and someone who's in, you know, from the Bronx uh, and yeah. it's to narrow the differences because you have more like than not uh, and can each other and, and bring various ideas to the table.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, like tools like this and experiences like this really do do that. And we need more of that. Um, So we've said a lot and I could probably most definitely ask a lot more questions about research and other things. But as we're coming up here on the end of the episode, I want to see if there's anything that you can share that is in maybe development. Don't violate any NDA agreements, anything about the future of Bell Excel that you're looking forward to um, that you want to share with the audience? Sure. You know, we
2: have a robust roadmap this year. It's a really exciting one. You know, we're hoping to um, create a far more robust payment system as much as that may seem like this operational piece, it ends up being kind of a key driver for many of our partners that need more back-end management or different flexibility. So really excited about that. And then from a um, in content um, point of view, we are developing a fitness program right now that we're actually going to have live videos and actually some former um, Olympians that are actually going to be some of the demonstrators. Cool. And, yeah. So really excited about that. I think it's filming as we speak oddly in Canada, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little chilly, <laughs> right? i <laughs> um, so excited about that to have that opportunity. We have a lot of STEM activities, but, you know, then looking forward to developing arts, et cetera, to really open up and have a very easy way for people to implement those other extracurricular along with all the academics that we have too.
1: Fantastic. And we love you to come back and say, where are they now? And tell us all the things that you went up to and what, you know, Maybe share who the Olympians were at that point. I know, but um, I don't know who they are either actually. So. Uh, yeah, <laughs> guess who they were. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool, and I really, I really love the fact that on the the roadmap that you have that that situation where you're doing like s- STEM stuff Also, too, I think about like now that we've had COVID, like this is a this is this is what we need. We need to sustain I- this this sort of situation. We don't need to go back you know, I think about the, the criticism that schools and institutions got because of emergency remote teaching, which really wasn't online learning. Um, people don't, don't understand the difference, but programs like this can really help sustain, like keeping things going and making sure that people are still progressing and they can still connect with each other.
2: Absolutely. You know, and I love that, that, um, that we're able to connect the operating side, which often gets forgotten in this space. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, when you think about when you were in school, you're teaching and so on, how much that actually matters and influences kid outcomes. And you know, it's been a wonderful opportunity for me to be able to take like that administrative side I love and pair it with the instructional lead that I also have so much deep passion about and marry them together in one place has just been you know, a life dream. So
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I won't say too much about it, but sports I feel like changed my life. Yes. Um, I feel like I wouldn't have with the sports and the extracurriculars. Like I wouldn't be the person I am today without that.
2: Uh, wholeheartedly agree. And you know, when you when you talk to most adults, they often will bring up those kind of experiences yeah. a little less so than the others. So we shouldn't be discounting when we're thinking of trajectories of their their lives.
1: Absolutely. Well, we have. Our final two questions. So we want to know if there's anything we missed. Anything else you want to share with the audience about Bell Excel? And then we want you to put on your fortune teller's hat and tell us what the future of education ed tech looks like. So anything else you want to share with the audience? And then tell us about the future.
2: You know, um, the got to talk about the roadmap, which is really exciting. We're going to have even more to come and, uh, continue to you know expand our reach on the operating side, expand our reach on the on the uh. Curriculum side, but we're doing a lot with communications. We have a communication app as well, and expanding that to be more, more robust and have more languages, and and uh, being able to open up opportunities for other families to come in because of that. So, really excited about that. And where do I see um, ed tech going? I think the same place that education going, which is where you're. Know, we're continually going to be challenged to think broader and differently with the introduction of AI into our universe. Uh, we're just barely understanding that and how that's going to get interwoven into our reality, into our world. But I think it's going to force us in a good way to think more broadly on that definition of who, where, when, and how children learn. And how do we harness that to take us to the future instead of holding back and saying, no AI in the room, no AI doing this. It's I so let's embrace it. Let's run with it. Let's use it to enhance these young people to uh, propel them to a level that we could never even imagine.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I I embrace it. You know, I think about the diffusion of innovation theory and like the there's the Luddites at one end and then there's the people who like ourselves who are like the forward-minded thinkers that just grab onto it, embrace it and run with it. So 100%, let's do it. <laughs> Agreed. It's coming anyway. So we might as yeah, well. Yeah, you might as well. Yeah, we're going to be the dinosaurs in the room sooner than <laughs> right. we think. So we definitely need to embrace this and learn it so that we can continue to contribute to this, this, uh, this sector.
0: Right.
2: Our jobs prepare them for this future. So let's let we know it's going to be there. So let's start preparing them now.
1: Yeah, 100%. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing about yourself and your experiences and about Excel. We will definitely include everything in the show notes about where to find you, where to find out about Excel and all your great programs. So we can't thank you enough for what you're doing in this space. And we absolutely enjoyed having you here.
2: Holly, it was great to be here
1: and just love the
2: conversation uh, and look forward to one where we can tell you about how great we're doing in the future.
1: Sounds great. That brings us to the end of another captivating journey through the world of educational technology. If you found today's episode as enlightening as I did, make sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow EdTech enthusiasts. Your support keeps us going and brings more amazing content your way. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. Connect with us on social media, We love hearing your thoughts, suggestions, and ideas for future episodes. As we sign off, this is Holly urging you to stay curious, stay inspired, and keep pushing the boundaries of education, technology, and beyond. Until next time, take care and keep learning.